It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, March thirty first, two thousand and eleven. Thank you for being a part of the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is back after a week of absence. Dad, welcome back to the program. Jacob, thanks. Great to be with you. Oh, I do. I there think. we go. Thanks, thanks. We're looking forward to a good Bible study. All right, and we're looking forward to the discussion with you. The number to call is 877-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. As we have an interesting program planned for tonight, I like uh, your idea here for the program tonight, Dad. Well, actually, I kind of got it from you, Jacob. Uh, well, that's why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's right. um, there's just all kinds of statistics that indicate to us that our, that our society, our culture is in just incredible moral decline. I'm and there have been a lot of polls and a lot of statistics that show that. And so tonight what we want to do is reference some of those kind of statistics and then ask the important question, Christian, how are you going to be different? If that's the way society is going, if that's the trends in our culture, how are we going to be different? Romans chapter 12, verse 2 tells us that we're not supposed to be conformed to this world. That's that's stronger there. That's good. You're there good. We go. You sound great. Yeah. Uh, we're not supposed to be conformed to this world. And so we want to ask Christians, if you're not going to be conformed to the world, the world's headed that way, what are you going to do? How are you going to act? How are you going to think first and then act differently? Okay. Uh, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. You referenced there Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We're told not to be conformed to this world but to be transformed. You know, those words are are opposites, and uh, they're opposite in action as well. Being conformed to something is something that's passive. Uh, you don't have to be involved. You know, you don't take any action to be conformed. It takes action to be transformed, to be different. And uh, since we're told to be transformed, then we're going to have to act. We're going to have to work towards that. And then, uh, as you mentioned, that we need to have a plan for how we're going to accomplish that. That's right. And so we can't just passively let the society take us along in the same way that it's going. We have to work at being different. And so we, we want to know how you're going to work at it tonight. In general, maybe you can just send us your thoughts in the chat room tonight to the right of your viewing window. Or if you would like to give us an email or give us a phone call, let us know in general. How are you going to be different from the world? How are you going to help your children to be different from the world? That's an area we can get into, Dad, because a lot of people want their, their kids to fit in. And uh, a lot of people are very hesitant to do anything that might cause their children not to be part of the group, to not to be totally socially adapted? Well, it's just in our basic nature that we don't like to be different. We want to fit in. Mm-hmm. But, of course, when, when the world around us is so wicked and evil, we can't fit in with that if we're going to be pleasing to God. So we have to accept the reality of the fact that we have to be different. Okay, so we'll talk about that. Uh, and we want to know, in particular, Dad, you have several different areas where our society has really changed its uh, view on things, and uh, we have some statistics that show how that society has changed those views and, and how we need to make plans and, and set goals on how we can be different. Yeah, earlier today to our update list, I sent out some questions asking for feedback. We haven't got much feedback today because I think the questions are kind of vague. I probably should have been more specific. That's but, okay. But I ask Christian, how are you going to be different in regards to, and I ask, specify, how's your thinking going to be different How's your conduct going to be different? Christian, how are you going to be different in marital fidelity in regards to the incredible increase in the prevalence of divorce? How are you going to be different about drinking alcohol? How are you going to be different about viewing pornography? How are you going to be different about basic honesty, telling the truth, not lying? How are you going to be different in regards to modesty? Those were the questions that we sent out earlier today. We want to talk about each of those areas. We may talk about some additional areas uh, and see how you think that we can be different. All right. The number to call, 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. Is our video getting out, Jacob? I think it is, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, good. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, you might let us know how we look on the other. Well, we know how we look, but you might tell us how the video looks and uh, how you uh, hear us tonight on the other end, just to make sure that we're getting out okay. Yeah, we need to hear from you tonight, so be sure and use the contact methods that are available. You can call in. We'd love to hear from you, 877-381-4567. Email. We're watching our email inbox. You can email us at questions at collegeview.com. And, of course, we also are uh, anxious to get your input in the chat room. That's sort of interactive and automatic, uh, so get on the uh, get on the. Uh, uh, chat room and give yourself a pseudonym so we we can kind of identify who's saying what. And John is in the chat room tonight and he's helping out already. He says a chameleon con- conforms to his environment. A caterpillar goes through a transformation. I see a sermon illustration there perhaps that John is sharing with us tonight. Yeah, yeah, that will work. All right. And then Paul says, uh, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim his praises of him, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He references 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, uh, shows how we are choosing a better way. Um, and uh, we are going to be weird. We're going to be different as a result of uh, claiming to be the children of God. And that's what he wants. He wants us to be a special people, uh, people that's not like the world. Earlier today, Jacob, I was doing a little research looking for statistics showing moral decline in our society. And I, I found a Gallup poll. Jeff, this is that first chart, if you can get it up. Jeff is running our board for us at night. We appreciate that. Uh, perceived moral acceptability of behaviors and social policies, a poll by the Gallup people. I was kind of taken aback, Jacob, because there's some really serious things on this list. Serious. And then there's wearing clothes made from animal skins or yeah. animal fur. Yeah. I mean, so they are equating, it seems to me, that there's sort of a moral equivalence or they belong on the same page, which I don't think they do. The Gallup people seem to think that it belongs on the same page to be buying and wearing clothing made of animal fur with uh, abortion or gay and lesbian relations. That's crazy to me. That obviously doesn't Shows how the moral standard of... That, that people don't even understand what morality is. What kind of things are we talking about when we're talking about... Are we talking about wearing animal fur? We're talking about killing unborn babies. That, those things don't belong in the same discussion. Right. Okay. But anyway, they put it on the same page. I just wanted to highlight some of these things because it surely shows the decline that's taking place in our culture and in our society. Uh, if you look at that chart, gay and lesbian relations are considered morally acceptable by 52% of the American population. More people think it's acceptable than unacceptable. Yeah, that's amazing to me. And that's, that is a rapid change in, in people's thinking in our culture. I think it surely is also being reflected in an increasing prevalence in the in homosexual activity as well, and so um, uh, you know there's there's a real indicator uh, on abortion. Thirty eight percent of Americans believe abortion is morally acceptable. Only half think it's wrong. I, I can't believe that. Uh, only fifty percent of people think it's wrong. There's a pretty large percentage, twelve percent, that are not certain, but. Only half the people think it's wrong to kill a baby in the womb. That's mm. just amazing. To it me. is amazing. Uh, having a baby outside of marriage, 54% of people in America think it's okay to have a baby outside of marriage. It's morally acceptable. And that, that no doubt, Jacob, is why we're seeing such a huge prevalence of babies born out of wedlock, as we used to say. Yeah. Uh, sex between an unmarried man and woman, 59% think that's morally acceptable. And so 5% think it's accept, 5% of those people then think it's acceptable to have sexual relationships outside of marriage, but you can't have a baby outside of marriage. That's kind of crazy. It is crazy. Uh, but again, hard to believe. So effectively, 6 out of 10 people think there's no problem with sex outside of marriage. Sad. Uh, gambling, look at this, 61% of Americans think gambling is acceptable. Uh, of course, you've got, you've got our government signing off on that. The government is endorsing, and, and they're, actually they're the, in the, they're the bookies. They're yep. in the business of, of uh, running the gambling operations these right. days, so people think it's okay. And then look at that divorce statistic, 69. i got another chart here we'll show you in a minute, but uh, in this Gallup poll, 69%. Uh, of Americans think divorce is morally acceptable. 69%. Now, of course, we have to make caveat caveat there. Divorce, there is a moral kind of divorce. The innocent party who puts yeah, away their... Yeah, I don't think they're worried th- about they're that. They're not talking about no. that. I mean, we're not saying that, that every person who gets a divorce is, is committing some kind of a, a moral 
morally depraved act. Some people are justified, are morally justified to get divorced. But what this is saying is 69 or 70 percent of people don't think there's any problem with divorce, period. That divorce is not a moral issue, and that obviously is wrong. Now, you're not, these are shocking numbers. We're not just presenting, presenting the numbers, though, just to, for the shock factor. What we're doing, though, is we, yeah, yeah it's, maybe well, I mean, we are. Well, I mean, you to, are, but. To show that our society is in dramatic moral decline. But that's not the only reason you're showing it, because what we're saying here is that the majority of people are going to think and act in ways that are not in uh, harmony with God's word and his will. And if we're going to be transformed, we've got to we've got to be active. We've got to be working against this tidal wave of people that are going exactly the opposite of what God has revealed for us in his work. Yeah. And what this so so what this all indicates to us is that we clearly have to be different than people around us. We cannot be conformed to this way of thinking and acting. And therefore, we're going to have to take conscious effort to be different. We don't like to be different. It's it's not easy, and it's not often pleasant to be different from the people who are around us, but we got to be. And so our question for the study tonight is, Christian, how are you going to be different than that? If that's the way the world's going, how are you going to be different than that? 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. Uh, later on in the program, uh, we've got some interesting things here. Dad, from the Motion Picture Code of 1930, 81 years ago uh, this month, uh, the motion picture industry began to uh, self-govern itself. They were worried about uh, government intervention in the motion picture industry, so they, they took some proactive measures, and they set up some rules for how what things you could show in a movie. We'll talk about those later on. Yeah, because we're going to talk. We'll, we'll throw that in when we get to the section here. How are you going to be different about pornography? Because an awful lot of what's in the movies in 1930 for sure and even now, if we're thinking right, an awful lot of what's in the movies is pornography. Okay, we'll talk about that, and uh, we'll look again at any ways that you have for how we can be different. Paul follows up his comments in the chat room. He says, we're not to be peculiar or weird just for weirdness sake. Some people think they're just supposed to be odd. The peculiarity is because of who we are and whose we are. Values are not worldly. So he says, you're going to be different just because of what you are. You don't have to try or uh, you shouldn't try to be weird, but uh, you'll be different from the world if you're living as you should. Yeah, Dean mentions that, that, that on that statistic about gambling. He says there's many religious people who endorse gambling. And right. I think that's true. We've studied before. We've had a whole program in the past on gambling. We're really not going to talk too much about that tonight other than just to mention that stat. But I agree with Dean that there's a lot of people, a lot of religious people who sign off on gambling. But there are religious people. There have to be people who call themselves religious who sign off on these other things. too. We know that there are people, supposedly religious people, who sign off on gay and lesbian relations. We've interviewed we've them. We've interviewed them. Yeah, if the, you look in our archives, you'll find those. Uh, there, are, there are religious people who sign off on abortion and so forth. And so we haven't uh, interviewed anyone on the, like that. We should set up an interview for that. Someone. Some religious person who thinks pro-abortion. Abor- this pro-abortion, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be hard to find. Yeah, we ought to do that. Okay. All right. Uh, we're not quite uh, to normal break time. Let's take our first break, Jacob, and then when we get back, let's get into these different categories and see what we can do about uh, identifying how we must think differently and act differently. All right. We'll take a break and we'll look forward to your comments on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. 
I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. Here's some quotes worth pondering. You are where you are and what you are because of the dominating thoughts that occupy your mind. If you want something done right, give the task to someone who is already busy. Man, I wish I'd said that. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We welcome you back into the program tonight, and we look forward to hearing from you. And the chat room has got uh, several people in it tonight, and uh, perhaps you'd like to join in. If you're not logged into the chat room tonight, follow the instructions at the bottom of the chat window, and you can participate in the discussion as well. We see Dean there from Louisiana, Danny from Greenville, Mississippi, Paul from Bloomington, Indiana, John from Edmond, Oklahoma, and uh, there may be others as well. We look forward to hearing from you in the chat room, over email tonight, or on the telephone. So get in touch with us as we talk about, uh, I think, some important things. Very well, important. And we, we, we mentioned at the beginning of the program, we're going to have to be active. We're gonna have, it's going to have to be a conscious decision on our part that we're going to stand against this tide of immorality in the country yeah. we live in. And I really do believe that it's necessary to get our thinking right and, and, be, and, and sort of be geared up or on guard for... Uh, taking the necessary steps uh you know you you can't be un unplanned or unpurposed in passive, your heart passive yeah. mentally you got to have you got to have your your heart set on what god's truth says so that you're prepared when these things confront you and so let's talk about divorce uh, again we got another chart that we can put up there showing the prevalence uh, of, of divorce or the thinking on divorce the percentage of people who think it's morally acceptable here's here's gallup uh, showing in uh, 08, 70% of the American population thought divorce was morally acceptable. And look at how dramatically that has increased just uh, in the last decade. Back in 01, it was 59%. Only 59% thought it was morally acceptable. So the, that the, the attitude of the American population toward divorce is increasing, and, you, and you, therefore divorce is increasing. Yeah, I would have thought by 2001, I mean, it was bad as it could get, but it's gotten worse in the last 10 years. Quite a bit worse. Uh, and and the, the reason why that thinking is so dangerous is now when people enter into marriage, they don't even, they don't even start with the attitude, we've got to make this work, and therefore, you know, because divorce is not an option, we've got to make it work, uh, let's get busy. Yeah. Instead, they say, well, I'm not happy with her. Or I'm not happy with him. I'm getting a divorce. I'm just walking out. I've heard even recently, Jacob, of some people who uh, just married for a short time and just out of the blue called it off. Uh, uh, someone was telling me about a fellow who got a text from his wife. She she had packed up, moved out, and didn't want to be contacted by him. That was it, huh? That was it. It was, it was over. Marriage is cheap, isn't it? Yeah, it's very cheap. It's easy to get it's easy to get out of marriage now, and so people are doing it. The whole attitude of the American population is wrong in regards to divorce. As Christians, we have to be different. First of all, in our view of divorce, we need to have the attitude that's taught in Malachi chapter two, verse sixteen. The King James version says, "The Lord, the God of Israel, saith that He hateth putting away." Uh, newer versions will simply say God hates divorce. And he speaks of uh, dealing treacherously with your mate. Uh, in the previous verse, let none of you deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. And that's the problem. It's, it's, it's treachery. It's covenant breaking. When you get married, you take a vow. You make promises. And to divorce is to break those promises. Now, again, I hope everyone understands we're not talking about an innocent mate who puts away a right. guilty fornicating mate. Uh, the scriptures allow that, Matthew 19.9 and Matthew 5.32. We understand that God makes that provision. If your mate has cheated on you, uh, you can put them away, and that that's, and, and you commit no moral flaw when you do that. But divorce for all other reasons is prohibited, and to do so is sin. All right. Uh, let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. So there is the prevalent idea and attitude. Over, uh, probably over uh, over 7 out of 10 people today, over 70% think that divorce is acceptable. How do we combat that? How do I, how do I make a conscious decision? Okay, I'm going to uphold the sanctity of marriage. Well, I think if, for, for ourselves personally, we have to have our conscience steeled 
that we will do what God says, that we will not personally contemplate divorce, that it's not an option on the table for our marriage, that we're going to work through the difficulties. All marriages have difficulties. I've read plenty of statistics that suggest the difference between happy marriages and unhappy ones is not that the happy ones never have trouble and the unhappy ones do. All marriages have their difficulties. It's how you deal with the difficulties that make it, whether it's a good marriage or a bad one. And so we got to say, we're going to handle it. We're going to work through it. We're going to be committed to our marriage. We're not going to break our vows. Then we've got to teach that. We've got to, uh, in, in, uh, in our families, we've got to teach that to our young people. We've got to teach it to our children. We've got to teach God's law because society is sure not going to teach that to our young people. We've got to teach that to our, our children. Uh, we, we've got to stand for it and insist upon that kind of teaching in the Lord's church. You know, uh, there are several preachers, and I've heard specifically of preachers who would say, I'm not going to talk about, I'm not going to preach or teach about divorce. It's too controversial. Yeah. And so Imagine if, if we back off from teaching about it in the pulpits, even even people in the Lord's church will be ungrounded on the necessary truths in this important area. So that's another area where we've got to take steps. I mean, even gospel preachers say we've got to temper what we're teaching about divorce because it's so more prevalent now and it's so more likely that someone in the audience will be someone who has been divorced. And therefore, we've got to we've got to temper what we teach and even modify what the, the scriptures teach about it because it's so much more likely that we'll experience someone who's Who's been in a situation like that? It is it is sad. Mike in Indiana says in the chat room, it seems divorce is becoming more common in the church today. It seems people look at fornication as an opportunity to get out of marriage rather than trying to work it out first. It's almost like the golden key. I, yeah. You know, I think that's exactly right. I, I, I can remember in, in my remembrance of a time not that long ago when, for instance, a preacher who had experienced divorce would not be granted the privilege of preaching again. I knew of a case 30 years ago where a man had married a woman who was divorced. He himself had not been divorced, but he had married a woman who had been scripturally divorced. She had scripturally put away her cheating husband, her first mate. But when the people in the church found out that she was a divorced person, he wasn't allowed to preach anymore. That's how strong people's attitude. Now, I'm not saying that was necessarily right, but I'm just saying people had a strong conviction against divorce and and it, it carried a stain or a consequence. But now we're hearing even of preachers who've been engaged in all kind of moral uh, depravity and marital infidelity, and they still want to preach the gospel. It's like they think, well, that, yeah, just say you're sorry and keep on going. I don't know about if some of you in the chat room may give me your opinions, but I, to me, if, if a man who's preaching the gospel can't even get it right and can't even control his own passions and maintain his own marital vows... Certainly he can be forgiven, but I, for, for me, the consequence of that ought to be that he should not be preaching anymore. John in Edmond, Oklahoma, says when preachers in the church refuse to cover subjects due to the possibility of offending, they are no different than many denominational preachers. And uh, that is uh, that is certainly the case. Uh, too many are shying away from those difficult uh, subjects. Jack says we must respect have respect for God's authority if we show others how we deal with marital issues and how we respect God's authority. We will begin to teach our neighbors and friends we all can do this, and we must. All right. Okay. Well, that's the first area we want to talk about. And obviously, we haven't talked all about all the ins and outs of divorce and remarriage. But I think it's important for us, Jacob, to point out that our thinking has got to be right. Our teaching and practice has got to be right. Because the world is not. You're not going to just get it by osmosis in the world that we live in. Today. And, and especially our young people are not going to be. Exactly. Not going to get it. As, as we've got young people coming up, and they're in uh, courtship age, they'll be looking for a mate. We, we, we're going to have to work overtime to convince them of the truth on divorce and remarriage because they're, not, they're definitely not going to get it by any other influence in the world. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. i got one email here I want to add in, Jacob yeah. Patrick. Hey, Patrick. Uh, I think down in Birmingham, Alabama, Patrick, we haven't heard from him in, in some good while. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, Patrick. He says, I'm not married, so I can only speak of my intention rather than my current circumstance. My intention is to marry and stay married until death. Everyone in my immediate family in the current generation and the previous generation who has married has been divorced. I see the havoc in my own family and other families that divorce causes. If divorce did happen for some reason beyond my control, I would remain single unto death, either mine or my spouse's. So uh, uh, Patrick has got that kind of commit we're talking about, commitment we're talking about. I mean, this is this is tough stuff and we've got to be tough about it we've got to be tough um mike in orleans indiana wants a discussion about divorce and remarriage 
He says that he needs help making certain he understands the issue and knows others do as well. And uh, certainly that is something that would be uh, valuable. I think we have in the past t- discussed about it, Dad, but uh, it might be worthy to have a whole discussion on the yeah, subject. Yeah, and, 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 and we'll try to do that sometime okay. soon. Thank you, Mike, for those comments. 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeu.com. Uh, we've got, got that, uh, By the way, Dean and Danny uh, agreed with me on in okay. reference to the preachers who, who commit moral infidelity. Right. Uh, and and so I'm glad that they are on in agreement with me on that. I, I just, that's that's sort of a uh, – I could get on a soapbox about that if I'm not careful. Okay. All right. Uh, we've got other moral issues, and we show the, the, the statistics show uh, that the tide of American sentiment is against what the Scriptures teach on these moral issues, and we need to be prepared, and we need to have a plan for how we're going to be different. Okay. we got – the next topic that we were going to just touch on has to do with drinking alcohol. And yep. we got another chart, Jeff, on drinking alcohol. Yeah. Uh, and this is this is pretty telling. Only fifteen uh, percent uh, of people think that drinking alcohol is morally wrong. So, you know, less than two out of ten think that drinking alcohol is wrong. Twenty percent say it's accept morally acceptable, and fifty-six percent, the biggest majority, say that. It is not a moral issue. It's not even something that you need to consider. It's not even on drinking alcohol is not even on the morality scale. It's not a moral issue, according to 56 percent of the American population. Don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. Unbelievable. So, uh, again, we've talked about drinking uh, on the virtual Bible study in the past. The position that I believe the Bible upholds is that for Christians, we ought to abstain from drinking intoxicating alcohol. I I just really believe that a lot of strong arguments can be made in favor of that. Uh, One passage that we've referenced before is 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 3. And for any who are listening who have some doubts or concerns and maybe not certain on how they ought to view drinking alcohol. I think all, I I don't think anybody disagrees. You're not supposed to get drunk, but a a lot of Christians are sort of hedging on the question of drinking in moderation. As they say, Uh, I I think first Peter four verse three is a worthy study. And I would encourage everyone to study that it mentions uh, how, Peter says the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. In other words, we used to live like the Gentiles in times past. We waste basically say we wasted enough time living like unbelieving people lived. We're believers now. He says we we waste enough of our time living like the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. Notice wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excessive riot, speaking evil of you. Even back then, people thought Christians were strange because they didn't do this stuff. That's sort of what we're talking about tonight, Jacob. You know, be different, Christian. How are you going to be different? People will think you're odd if you don't do the kind of things they do. And in this context, one of the things that first century Christians were considered odd about was in reference to their view of drinking. And there are three levels of drinking there in 1 Peter 4, verse 3. There's the excessive wine and the revelings. Both of those suggest drinking beyond moderation. I think most all sources will agree that excessive wine and revelings involve drinking to the point of some level of serious drunkenness. Neither one of those levels, by the way, was at the level of the word drunkenness itself. Okay. In other words, you got short of it. So you got drunkenness, then you got excess of wine, then you got revelings a little less. But the, an interesting word there is the word banquetings, and a lot of sources suggest banquetings was to drink, but without reference to any excess or over drinking, just to drink. Uh, and I think some versions might even have it a drinking, okay, in, in a literal translation. But again, I think this verse suggests first century Christians were told not to do that, and Understand that if you take that hard line on alcohol, people are going to think you're strange. They think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excessive right speaking evil of you. And your whole argument does not hinge on that passage in First oh, Peter. No. There are other passages as well. And it reminds me of the first program we did in 2011, which we interviewed John McLemore. He was a finalist in NBC's The Sing-Off. He's a preacher, and he tried to defend drinking. 
And so if you're interested in that subject and you haven't heard that program, January 6, 2011, Preacher Attempts to Defend Drinking is the title. You can find it in our archives. In the chat room, uh, we have some comments that are pretty interesting. Uh, Dean says, Christians who support moderate drinking are at least playing with sin because we know the Bible clearly condemns drunkenness. I know of no passage that would tell me how much would be okay to drink. Thus, the wisest course of action is to abstain completely. We would agree with that, Dean, but we would also uh, believe that the Bible not only uh, would recommend abstinence, but it would command abstinence. Uh, we, uh, we've we made those arguments in the past. Mike in Orleans, Indiana makes an interesting comment. He, he puts the, the, these first two things we've talked about together. Well, he does, but he also shows how... Uh, maybe the world is influencing Christians. He says, my daughter is on a website that encourages members of the church to date and marry other Christians. I was shocked at the number of profiles of people who say they would date or marry someone who drinks alcohol and a number drink on occasion. There you go. And that's, and that's sad. That's what we're talking about. It's exactly what Danny simply references 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Okay. And John says, for the most part, drinking is a social element. There is no reason in our day and age for Christians to drink alcoholic beverages. I suspect that most Christians who drink do so because of the social element, which, of course, is not a valid reason. Mike in Orleans mentions an argument that I've made before from 1 Timothy 5.23, where Paul had to command Timothy, drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. And I think the point of that is so clear. Timothy was a faithful first century Christian. What was his normal practice? His normal practice was to drink none at all. He had to be instructed to take some for medicine. Obviously, I think that passage justifies the consumption of alcohol or any other thing that might be necessary as medicine. But it certainly shows that Timothy's normal practice was to drink none at all. All right. Well, we need to take a break and get this week's bullet point. On the other side of the break, we've been talking about this movie, this motion picture code of 1930, 81 years ago uh, this month that it was enacted. And it will show you how far our society has gone. Comparing what they thought was acceptable and unacceptable in 1930, chances are your children are watching things that they thought were unacceptable on the screen in 1930. We'll get to those, and we'll show how that has sort of pushed the tide and, and, and directed the thoughts of many in our society today. We look forward to your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com or join in the chat room if you're listening to us live tonight from collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. A financial planner observed that most folks spend more time planning their summer vacation than they devote to planning their most important lifetime goals. That is, without a doubt, a sad but true fact. How can we hope to succeed in life without planning and goal setting? If you want to be a successful student or businessman or politician or whatever, it takes planning. Surely this same point can be made in regards to our spiritual service to God. In fact, it may be even more true in this particular realm. We might even say that some folks appear to spend more time planning what they will do after supper on a given night than they have ever spent charting their plans for serving God. It's a sad situation, to be sure. The problem is that we've gotten our priorities out of order. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, beginning verse 32. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do you see it? Jesus said that we ought not worry about the things that we most often do worry about. And he said that we should give careful consideration to our spiritual work, putting it first in our lives. Christian, are you making your plans to be faithful to God and to be active in his service? Have you spent any time lately planning about the things that are really most important? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, my name is Preston Jackson. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday night. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We welcome you back to the virtual Bible study tonight, and we look forward to hearing from you as we talk about our evil society that we live in and how it will Uh, cause us to change our thoughts and to uh, modify the way that we view sin. If we're not careful, allow us to be conformed to the world and not transformed as the the scriptures so uh, explicitly teach us that we must be transformed. This program, will remind you, is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. 
And if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to come and worship with us at any time. You'd be our welcome guest. As we talk about uh, the fact that our society is influencing us, uh, Dad, it's, uh, it, the statistics are clear that uh, our society is changing. And as we talked about with drinking and with divorce, it is affecting those who claim to be Christian. Yeah, and so what, the premise of our study tonight is society is corrupt. We know that. It's getting worse. It's not getting better. Therefore, we've got to increase our diligence, and we have to be more committed than ever to being different from the world. Mm -hmm. And Christians don't, I mean, uh, we understand it's not easy. We'd rather not be different from people around us, but we have to be. Mm -hmm. Now, the next area that we were going to talk about has to do with pornography. And uh, this, this survey was put out by the Pew Research for People and the Press, uh, it was a values update survey. Jeff, we're going to look at the chart on pornography. The question was asked, and, and they, people were set, asked, how much do you agree with this? Here's the statement that was made. Nude magazines and X-rated movies provide harmless entertainment for those who enjoy it. Now, they asked, do you completely agree with that statement? Do you mostly agree? Do you mostly disagree? Or do you completely disagree? 14% of Americans agreed it's harmless entertainment for those who enjoy it. 27% mostly agreed. So 14% completely agreed. 27% mostly agreed. So what do you got there? You got over 41%, 40% who mm-hmm. said, yeah, nude mm-hmm. magazines and X-rated movie are harmless entertainment. That's that's where our society is. Almost half mm-hmm. think that's no issue. Not even anything to worry about. Uh, Don't think about it's it. It's very sad. So uh, we want to know, what do you think? How, how are you going to pre- prepare yourself in dealing with this? One of the things that Jacob found, Jacob, give, give us some updates on it. Yeah, this is interesting. This is stuff, you know, this is stuff that uh, sermons are made out of right here. In 1930, the motion picture industry uh, realized that uh, the government was potentially uh, going to start some censorship and uh, start uh, you know, putting their hand in what motion pictures were showing. And so they did a little preemptive uh, action here. And uh, they came up with their own code, and they gave reasons for it. Uh, Dad, notice this. The moral importance of entertainment is something which has been universally recognized. Now, compare this with the Christian who says, oh, I can watch it. It doesn't bother me. This is what people of the world were saying. This was 30 years ago. No, 81 uh, years excuse ago. Excuse me. This was 1930. 1930. Movies were really just getting started. Right. They, they were doing this because we got the talkies now, right, yeah, where you yeah. can actually hear them talking. Yeah. Okay. They said the moral importance of entertainment is something which has been universally recognized. It enters intimately into the lives of men and women and affects them closely. It occupies their minds and affections during leisure hours and ultimately touches the whole of their lives. A man may be judged by his standard of entertainment as easily as by the standard of his work. This is, these are not you know, religious like, stuffies here. That, but that sounds like something a preacher would say. That looks like a bulletin article. Yeah, yeah. But this is what they were saying in 1930, the movie picture industry was. So correct entertainment raises the whole standard of a nation. Wrong entertainment lowers the whole living conditions and moral ideals, ideals of a race. That's how important they realized it was. Now, though a new art, they're talking about motion pictures in 1930, it was a new art, possibly a combination of art. It has the same object as the other arts, the presentations of human thought, emotion, and experience in terms of an appeal to the soul through the senses. Here, as in entertainment, art enters intimately into the lives of human beings. Art can be morally good, lifting men to higher levels. This has been done through good music, good, great painting, authentic fiction, poetry, and drama. Art can be morally evil in its effects. Uh, this is clearly uh, enough. Uh, case, this is the case clearly enough with unclean art, indecent books, suggestive drama. The effects on lives of men and women are obvious. All right. So now, they, they had their attitude was right, and so they they implemented certain they certainly did rules. Uh, back in 1930, there were certain rules about what you couldn't do in the movies. All right. Now, now again, this is going to really graphically illustrate how how much the scale has. It's shifted. Been sliding, yeah. Okay, this is what they said in 1930. Out of a regard for the sanctity of marriage in the home, the triangle, that is, the love of a third party for one already married, needs careful handling. The treatment should not throw sympathy against marriage as an institution. In other words, you protect marriage as an institution. You don't throw, you don't show those love triangles. You don't show the person who's committing adultery. They go on. Scenes of passion must be treated with an honest acknowledgement of the human nature and its normal reactions. Many scenes cannot be presented without arousing dangerous emotions on the part of the immature. 
the young, or the criminal classes. Even, in, even within the limits of pure love, certain facts have been universally regarded by lawmakers as outside the limits of safe presentation. In the case of impure love, the love which society has always regarded as wrong and which has been banned by divine law, the following are important. Impure love must not be presented as attractive and beautiful. It must not be the subject of comedy or farce or treated as material for laughter. Hasn't that changed? Mm. It must not be presented in such a way to arouse passion or morbid curiosity on part of the audience. It must not be made to seem right and permissible. Are they doing that today? Certainly. Uh, uh, Extramarital affairs are not only right, they are desirable. And even homosexual homosexual relations as well. Notice this. uh, So in regards to the depiction of love outside of marriage back then they knew it shouldn't be done it was wrong it was wrong notice what they said about uh, uh nudity the effect of nudity or semi-nudity upon the normal man or woman and much more upon the young and upon immature persons has been honestly recognized by all lawmakers and moralists hence the fact that the nude or semi-nude body may be beautiful does not make its use in the films moral for in addition to its beauty, the effect of the nude or semi-nude body on the normal individual must be taken into consideration. Uh, nudity can never be permitted as being necessary for the plot, uh, so forth and so on. And it goes on. Yeah. Uh, the sanctity and of the institution of marriage and the home shall be upheld. Do they do that today? Pictures shall not infer that low forms of sexual relationship are the accepted or common thing. That's exactly the opposite. You know, if they show high forms of, of relationships, a man and a woman that are in a monogamous relationship, that is not unacceptable and uncommon. It's these low forms of, of sexual relations that are common and accepted today. Adultery, sometimes necessary plot material, must not explicit, be explicitly treated or justified or presented attractively. Um, scenes of passions, they should not be introduced when not essential to the plot. Excessive and lustful kissing, lustful embraces, suggestive postures and gestures are not to be shown, and general passion should be treated uh, so treated that these scenes do not stimulate the lower and baser element. Now, here's the thing, Jacob. These, this is not written by Christians. Nope. This, these, these people were not writing from a religious point of view. They were right back then, 80, they, they, 80 they years ago. That they knew that these things were powerful force. The motion pictures were a powerful force. 80 years ago, the right. general population understood that. The general population now... Four, over 40% say looking at nude magazines and X-rated movies is not a moral issue, not to be concerned about. And you know what? It has influenced Christians. And I'm appalled and, and, and truly disturbed to hear Christians talk about the movies they go to see. And uh, they clearly would have been rated as pornography in 1930. Everything that you just read from the 1930s moral uh, motion picture code is violated by every movie that's in the movie theaters today and and yet christians go and act like it's okay and not a moral issue it surely society has affected our thinking about that all right and uh, people say oh i can watch it and it doesn't bother me uh, that stuff might bother somebody it doesn't bother me uh, these uh, people back in 1930 understood that it would vulgarity uh, they had a code for that the treatment of low disgusting unpleasant though not necessarily evil subjects should always be subject to to the delicacies or the dictates of good taste and a regard to, for the sensibilities of the audience. Obscenity in word, gesture, reference, song, joke, or by suggestion, even when likely to be understood by only part of the audience, is forbidden. I've seen even obscene gestures or obscene references uh, were to be a forbidden. Pointed profanity. This includes the words God, Lord, Jesus, Christ, unless used reverently. Uh, hell, in other words, are, uh, and every other profane and vulgar expression, however used, is forbidden. Isn't that changed? Yeah, Isn't amazing. that amazing? Talking about pornography, Mike adds, I believe you'd be shocked to learn how many people struggle with this in the church. I know several young men from a camp I was involved with struggle with it and even had a man over 60 once came to me to ask for help struggling with it. I, I agree. I, I've, I've experienced the same thing, Mike. People are Christians are battling this because it's so prevalent in our society. It's something that we've got to take. Um, we've got to make plans on how we're going to be different is, is, the, is the subject. Yeah. How are you going to be different, Christian? 
well, you're going to have to be different by not being involved in it. Don't, don't view that stuff. Don't, don't go to the movies that pr- promote it. Don't watch it on TV that promotes it. Don't look at pornography on the Internet. That's got to be the big reason for right. the explosion in pornography addiction. But it's going uh, to be an active thing. You've got to gonna... be proactive. You right. cannot sit back because if you do, you'll be swamped by this tidal wave. Uh, Danny says, looking, got King David in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Mike mentions he remembered once where a, uh, uh, they would not allow a camera shot on Leave It to Beaver because it merely showed a toilet. They considered that inappropriate back then. That's, again, indica- indicative of how this has changed. Uh uh, Paul mentions pornography has become much more available via the internet, internet without having to go to an adult bookstore. If people can't control it, they should get discontinue internet service. But you know that'd be considered weird, uh, over excessive. Uh, I, I disconnected my my internet connection because I couldn't keep myself from looking at pornography. And somebody said, "You did what? Are you crazy?" You know mm-hmm. that you'd be considered crazy if you did that. But right. but a person who can't control himself would be way better off to do that. Right. Or you don't go to the movies because of what's shown there. Well, you're, yeah. you're going to be weird and yeah. when you don't know what people are talking about in the office. Dean wonders why we keep giving Hollywood our money. I do, too. We're paying uh, them to show this stuff to us. Yeah. They're, we're they're, making them rich. They are making we're, their living doing yeah, that. Yeah, we're making them rich by, by showing this film. We wouldn't do that if it was one-on-one. Why do we feel like it's justified in that? Yeah. Danny mentions Philippians 4, verse 8, that tells us to think on all the right kinds of things. We remember that. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Uh, John John references the Flintstones. An adult cartoon had Fred and Wilma sleeping in separate beds, just showing another example of change. That is true, and that is part of the code in 1930, John. Uh, there was a specific uh, line in the code that said the treatment of bedrooms must be governed by good taste and delicacy. doesn't happen that way anymore. Uh, you go right in the middle of the bed with, uh, with the couple in the bedrooms today. Um, uh, Patrick in Alabama, uh, Birmingham, I believe, says uh, pornography is one of the most insidious spiritual poisons that perverts the beautiful gift that is human sexuality. Studies have shown that the release of neurotransmitters which accompany the viewing of pornography can cause it to be as addictive as various drugs of abuse. The effect is strengthened by certain sinful actions which are usually conducted while viewing it. Not only staying away from pornography but filling one's mind with wholesome thoughts and a godly view of sexuality is necessary to overcome this evil temptation. I think he's exactly right. Action, action. Take got to take action. You got to you got to you got to really be ready for mm-hmm. for this onslaught against our morality. All right, uh, Jack says. Thank- wow, we're running out. Of time. We're out of time. We got to hurry. Jack says thank you for taking us back to how our country just was just 70 years ago. Uh, thought about uh, how our society thought about impure love. Google images of clothing in the 1930s and the place and place this image beside images of how we dress today and be pre- prepared to be shocked. Okay, good good comments. I appreciate those, Jack. We need to hurry and get a break, and then we'll go to the top of the hour. We've got several more. Uh, Topics. I'm, well, yeah, I mean, we may not get to them all, but we'll try. Okay, all right. We'll talk about those on the other side. We'll look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. back right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. You just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College U Church of Christ. My name is Steve Novorak, reminding you to listen to the virtual Bible study every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program. We're going fast uh, for the remainder of the program, so hold on tight and keep your comments coming in the chat room. We may miss some, 
but uh, we'll try and get them in. We're talking about things in our society that are changing and how the society is moving away from God, and we're going to have to make plans to be different. Yeah, we got to plan and act differently than the world. We ask a question about honesty and lying, and, and we, we since we're out of time, I really want to go to the last point, Jacob. we just got enough time. I'm, I'm just going to reference this survey. About four in ten think lying is justified sometimes. Just over half, 52%, said it's never justified. Now, these statistics seem contradictory. 65% said that it's at least sometimes okay to lie when trying to protect someone's feeling. Four in ten said it's okay at times to exaggerate a story to make it more interesting. And lying to a child about a parent's past misbehavior is okay. A third, a third of people say it's okay at times to lie about one's age and okay to lie about being sick to take a day off of work. Going to have to be weird, I guess. So if, if you're dealing with people like that, Jacob, how do you know when to trust what they're saying? You know, uh, the Word of God is, is, is really clear on that and unequivocal. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. In Revelation chapter 20, at verse 8, it says, all liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. If we're going to be the people yep. of God, we can't follow that trend that says sometimes it's okay to lie. We can lie if, if we judge it's okay. That's just a situation ethics view that just doesn't work. All right. All right real quickly, and, and uh, we probably need to do a whole uh, virtual Bible study on the question of modesty. But I found an interesting poll, and I think, Jeff, you may have it up there. This was on a website called Mr. What was it, MrPoll.com? Is that what it says, Jeff? MrPoll.com. I don't know him. No, uh, but I think it's a website where you can put your own polls. Oh, you can put your polls up. Yeah, Uh, and somebody had put up a poll and said, Mm -hmm. I want to find out the types of fashion that Christian ladies prescribe to these days. Uh, And so for the people who responded to this poll, 97% said they viewed themselves, considered themselves to be a Christian. Okay, so, so this is the this, this is poll, the this, this is the population that we're dealing with. This is a poll of okay. people who call themselves Christians. That okay? majority, almost everybody. Almost everybody. everybody okay. Effectively, everybody who responded to this poll viewed themselves as Christians, okay. and they were they were females. They, these were all females. They were asking these questions: How long are most of the skirts that you wear? Ten percent said most of their skirts were twelve inches above their knee. Twenty-eight percent said one to eleven inches. Almost above four the out of ten. Yeah, don't even get to anywhere close to the knee. Right. Uh, what type of swimwear, swim attire do you most often wear? Twenty-nine percent said they most often wear bikinis. Twenty-seven percent said tan kinis. I don't know what a tan kini is. <laughs> it's probably a good thing that I don't know, but. Uh, Anyway, I, I take that as a very immodest form of apparel. On, and, only 10% said I never wear swimsuits. Yeah, of people who call themselves Christians. But yep. over half wear, said they most often wear bikinis and tan kinis. Uh, do you ever wear thong bottoms? 10% said yes all the time. 6% said yes most of the time. So that's, 16%. Uh, that's people, oh, well, claim to be Christian. People who call, claim themselves to be Christian. And then here's an interesting question. Do you believe that it's inappropriate? No, do you believe that it's inappropriate for Christian ladies to wear bikinis? 44% said no, it's not inappropriate. You can call yourself a Christian. Almost half. And still wear a bikini. There's, there's no contradiction there. I want to tell you, if there's no contradiction in that, then we got nowhere to go. I mean, where, where are we standing here? Well, you can see that the tide has affected the way that people are thinking. The, the society has affected us. We have become conformed to the world, and if we're going to be transformed, it's going to require action on our part. We're going to have to make a plan, and what is our plan? And that that is the uh, discussion tonight is how are we going to be different? Maybe this has just opened your eyes to the fact of how wicked the world is. Maybe you begin to think that the world's not so wicked and sin's not so bad, but it is. And we're going to have to make plans on how we're going to be different, how we're going to be strange. Yeah. Uh, uh, Patrick in email says, modesty isn't just for women. We should dress in such a way as to not incite lust in others for us sexually. But I think this can also involve other matters of concern for others. For example, a parent shouldn't dress in nice clothes and not provide decent clothes for their children. I think this is also related to the virtue of humility in which we shouldn't draw attention to ourselves for the satisfaction of our own vanity. I agree with those statements, uh, but there are, 
There are some of us who couldn't incite lust in another person if we walked around totally naked. So that's not the only standard of modesty. If, if modesty is just a measure of make sure you're not causing other people to lust after you, some of us couldn't get anybody to lust after us if we tried. Th that's, not the, that's not the full measure. That's not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's uh, an inappropriate test, one test to apply, but it, that doesn't cover the whole spectrum. The other thing that Patrick mentions there is parents who dress one way but don't provide for their children to dress the same way. There's an awful lot of parents who wouldn't be, who would never dress like they help their children to dress. It's almost like the parents are living vicariously through their children, uh, or they're just unwilling to put their foot down and say, "No, you're not going to wear that." Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, had a, I, I, I had a gentleman tell me one time, "You'll be surprised what you allow your daughter to wear." Uh, I hope that I'm not. I hope you're not too. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of comment in the chat room here. Uh, he says, uh, Mike says, you have to watch your eyes even in Walmart these days. I tell you what, the first warm days uh, of spring brings out all manner of undress at the Walmart. It's disgusting. I think Mike is right about that. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Uh, Jack, Jack mentions an 80-year-old gentleman who told me they didn't even step out of, of their home to get the mail from the mailbox unless they were fully clothed. Uh, he says, I've seen people go out to the mailbox in nothing but a towel. Uh, he also mentioned a man who, uh, an older gentleman, and I don't know this is necessary, but he said he would wear a hat and a sports coat to work in the garden. If he got hot, he'd take the coat off, but if anyone came around, he'd put the coat back on. There were just different standards back yeah. then. Uh, Paul mentions our school has swimming. When I told them our kids would not be participating uh, as part of the PE curriculum, they just didn't get it. No understanding. Well, Paul, that's because of the the way our world views things. That's the and, tide. And, That's the tidal way we're talking and about. And this is what we're talking about. We have to take steps to be different. So I commend you, Paul. I commend you for uh, taking that stand and teaching your children that and encouraging them that they have to understand. Sometimes we can't do what the people of the world are doing because they're going the wrong way and we can't go that way. Uh, good for you, Paul. Yes. Um, See, Mike says, I remember a cartoon in the paper I saw one time. The first picture showed a woman afraid to open the door because she was in her underwear. The second picture, she was in her bikini and felt no shame opening the door. What inconsistency. Inconsistency, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, Paul goes on to say the school didn't get it. The kids understood. So that's good. Uh, we're coming up into the season of the year. And, again, as we suggested, it, it may be good perhaps to spend a whole program dealing the, with the – the questions of necessary modesty because the world is way off on that, obviously, and uh, we need to make sure that we're doing right and that we're teaching our kids right. This is going to be one, of the, I think, Jacob, this is going to be one of the hardest areas for parents to help their kids take the line, uh, mm -hmm. to, to maintain modesty, to be different in the way that you dress. You, the, the, the trends of the world are obviously horrible. And uh, as we said there, even among Christians, I think this is what's hurting us more than anything. If it was just the real gross, immoral people of the world who were out there wearing, what was it, bikinis and tankinis? But here we had uh, over 50% of, of females who, who said that they considered themselves to be Christian. Over 50% of those wore these skimpy bathing suits. And so if the, if the people who call themselves are Christians, Christians are doing it, then that makes it even harder. You've got to believe that Satan is just loving that. He's just loving the fact that there are people who call themselves Christians, and he's got them. They've, they've taken this hook, line, and sinker. He's got them completely on board. And, and so that's going to make it harder for those of us who are committed to do the right thing. All right. And well, and the reason that it's, it's so prevalent is because it works. Uh, in out of stress works. If you want to get attention from the, other, the opposite sex, it works. And uh, I heard a preacher mention Dad Proverbs chapter seven. He talks about how it works. Is that if girls, if you want to get uh, if you want to get a man, you can do it. Just begin to dress uh, skimpily. And he referenced Proverbs chapter seven. He said it worked for the woman there. He said, but look at the kind of man you're going to get. You're not going to get the man that you want. Yeah. In the chat room, real quick, there's some discussion going on here. Uh, Danny says, what excites one person may not excite another. And I agree with that. But it's not all just about what excites people. It's what's modest. Modesty is not fully determined by whether or not it incites lust in another person. It's what God has defined. Yeah, there are. Uh, Jack says, we think just because we can't draw a line, we should say nothing and allow anything to go. That's the thing. A lot of people think this is just completely 
subjective. It's just you'll have to make up your mind. I'll have to make up my mind. I don't buy that. I don't think Jack does either. I think there's some absolutes here. And, again, may may justify a whole study uh, on that subject. All right. Well, we are out of time. We've uh, we've exhausted our time for this study, so we'll have to close the book on it for now. Well, I hope everybody is encouraged uh, that that we can build one another up in this matter of being different, Jacob. We don't like it. We'd rather not have to be different. We'd like to be able to fit in, but you can't fit in with a world that's going the way our world's going. All right, and so we're going to have to be active. We're going to have to make plans, and we're just going to have to be aware. I guess that is the is the is what we can take away from the program tonight. We're going to have to be aware. We live in a corrupt society, and we're going to have to make sure that we're not being influenced by it. Exactly right. Okay, uh, good discussion tonight, Dad. Thank you for your time. Thank you. And Jeff has been behind the controls all night. We appreciate Jeff for being there. We appreciate you for joining us as well. If you're listening to us in the archive version, it's not too late for you to join in the discussion. Send us your comments about the things you've heard on this program or on any program. Uh, send us an email or give us a call anytime. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have a suggestion for a future discussion on the virtual Bible study, we'd love to have that suggestion as well. Again, we appreciate you being on the other end of the line tonight. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.